0: NBA draft junkies have another guest today. It is Lee Brantscomb. What's up, Lee? How's it going?
1: Man, I appreciate you having me on. It, it is going well. We're uh, we're under a month now to, to the for the countdown. So it's it's kind of surreal that the draft is actually eventually finally coming up.
0: Yeah, I mean I've, I've never had to wait until a week before Thanksgiving for the NBA draft. It's usually you know training camp or actually preseason games at this point. So. It's been a really weird year. Now,
1: do you do you ahead. feel like the extra time has been positive for you as an evaluator, or does it cut cut both ways a little bit?
0: It's given me a lot of time to produce content. I think right. the last time I checked, I've made a hundred and forty-one videos for this draft class. Love it. <laughs> so, uh, it's probably. Quadruple the amount of the previous years. I mean, I knew I wanted to put a lot of content this year. I think I should be able to get to probably like one, eighty-ish before the draft. Maybe even more than that. So um, it's a lot That's of content incredible. I put out, but it's kind of helping. I mean, like the the brand is growing. I've, I've definitely right. um, have more exposure this year than I've had in any years past. So I can't complain about that. All Absolutely. right. So you are on Twitter as Witch Carolina.
1: Yep, at yeah. which Carolina, um, and you can just follow me there and spell just like it sounds.
0: So my question for you is, where did you come up with the name? Like, that? there has to be like a story yeah. behind it.
1: There is a little bit. So I'm from North Carolina, um, which is obviously a big, a big hoop state. Um, and which Carolina is actually, uh, it's a podcast that me and two partners run. Um, and if you have grown up in the Carolinas, you're kind of aware of the, um, juxtaposition of people from South Carolina refer to the University of South Carolina as just Carolina and people from North Carolina refer to the Tar Heels as just Carolina. So depending on which state you're in, Carolina can mean two different things. And we talk all about a lot of Carolina sports. So we just said, Hey, which Carolina? <laughs>
0: Gotcha. I lived briefly in Charlotte. Um i from, maybe six years ago, and so uh, I didn't realize how close Charlotte was to South Carolina because I had a friend. She lived out there. She's like, I live in Rock Hill. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not about to go out to South Carolina to, to, to catch yeah, up. Cross state lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no clue that they were they were that close. And so, and I kind of pride myself on geography because I've always loved geography as one of my favorite subjects in school, but that's one of the things I just did not realize that Charlotte was so close to South Carolina.
1: Yeah. A lot of people, if they live in South Charlotte, like, I mean, like you said, Rock Hill is almost a suburb of of Charlotte at this point. And, uh, People will drive down across the state border to get gas because it's cheaper in South Carolina than it is in North Carolina.
0: I remember that because I think she works downtown, even though she lived in in Rock Hill, she worked downtown. So, All right. The reason our people are here is because they want to hear about your your mock draft. And so we're going to do the mock draft lottery today. And the Minnesota Timberwolves have the number one pick. Now I'm curious to see who do you think Minnesota should select? Cause at this point it doesn't even seem like they know who they should select.
1: Right. And, and obviously, you know, who knows, maybe we get it, we get a draft a trade or something. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty chalked with number one. I mean, I I feel like Anthony Edwards is the number one player in this draft that there is no, there is no perfect prospect in this draft as, as we've all talked about ad nauseum there Flaws for every player at the top of this draft, Um, but for me, I think he makes sense in Minnesota from a positional standpoint. But also, uh, obviously, he is he is not an analytics darling yet. He's not super efficient by any means on the offensive end. He he did his scoring on volume, no doubt about that. Um, Do I think he's going to walk into the NBA as an efficient scorer? No. Is he going to be a plus defender right away? Maybe not. But I think the the ISO scoring package and the tools that he has um, as a as a space creator, as a shot creator, um, are are elite in this draft class. So, um, and then also, you know, he hasn't been playing basketball quite as long as a lot of these other elite prospects. And, you know, you see some you see some innate off ball um, recognition from him. He's a decent backdoor cutter. He flashes in the lane. He obviously played in um, not an ideal situation offensively in Georgia with uh, you know very crowded driving lanes. He's got to improve on the ball. Um, his, his, his handle's got to improve. Uh, his, honestly his effort has to improve at times as well. but I think that'll I think that'll shape up. So when it just comes down to a raw, uh, just a raw package standpoint, I think Anthony Edwards has uh, probably the most upside in this entire draft. so that's what I'm rolling with.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, can't really argue with that. I still think he ends up being number one. The talent is there. Can't deny the talent. So, yeah, I think that that, I think he's going to be the consensus number one. I don't see the Timberwolves passing on him because he makes the most sense for them from a positional standpoint.
1: Right. Yeah. With, with D'Angelo, right. I mean, give, give them a wing that um, that has some scoring punch. It it just makes sense. I think. Um, so that's where I'm at with him.
0: All right. So Golden State, I think this is where the draft begins.
1: This is where the draft gets interesting. And this is, um, this is certainly where my big board gets interesting as well. Um, so, you know, I think this is a player that a ton of people like, but that I am um, a good bit higher on, I think, the consensus, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. Um, oh. So Tyrese Halliburton, obviously sophomore guard from Iowa State, um, you know, played with, you know, uh, Jalen Horton Tucker and Mariel Shayok last year as a freshman. So wasn't necessarily featured in the offense. And then this year, you know, obviously he had the ball in his hands uh, every time down the floor for Iowa State. He was surrounded by... you know, not to be harsh, but below average talent, honestly. I mean, he had a couple shooters and, and a, and Condit was a big guy that could run the, run the floor. That was about the extent of his health. Um, you know, just, just an analytics darling. I mean, you know, three to one assist turnover ratio, 33% assist rate, which was second in the Big 12, um, top 50 in the country steal rate. But the thing I love the most about Tyler Taliburton e. is, two-way instincts i'm a sucker for an instinctual basketball player and he has that in spades i mean he he sees the game a step or two ahead of everyone else out there and look he's got to improve as a pick and roll player um he's got to improve as a um, basket finisher um but he's an elite catch and shoot player so he can play off the ball from Steph. Um, and Clay, obviously, he can give them some second unit. Um, he can pack some punch in their second unit if they don't want to start him right away. Um, I think he's a Warriors pick. I mean, I think he fits in perfectly with that system. Obviously, they need a big, so you know maybe they're passing up a, on a little bit of need here. But um, you know, he's been my guy since since I've started evaluating this class. And although the the, the criticisms of, of him are definitely fair. Um, I just think the way he shoots the ball, the way he distributes the ball, and the way he feels the game is going to win out.
0: So for me, I think that is the best fit for him, as far as really fit. But I would not take him anywhere near number two. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually kind of souring on him in a sense. Sure, because if he doesn't go to a Golden State or, you know, one of those type of teams where he doesn't have to be a pick-and-roll ball handler, I think that he's going to struggle a little bit. I think he is yeah. a very, very good complementary piece and high complimentary piece. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you put him in a system where he has to run pick-and-rolls or you want your point guard to be able to get downhill and create for others, I just don't see that in him. I mean 75 free throw attempts or less than 75 free throw attempts in 2 years that's concerning for me. Yeah. So I think like for him going to you know the Warriors like trading down or or whatever to me that's like the best fit for him. But if he goes to a team like I don't know Detroit or or maybe even New York, I don't think that's a good fit for him.
1: No, I, it's totally fair like if you're going to ask him to run, you know, 25 30 pick and rolls a game and just be a playmaking engine like i think he's great in transition in those in those situations but he's not there yet you're right like he shies away from basket from from attacking the basket at times um but i you know washington i think is a decent fit for him because beal can beal can obviously shoulder playmaking if he needs to um so Absolutely, I love him to death. But I do acknowledge that fit is gonna probably play a big part in his ultimate development. Would you? Where do you have him? Would you have him more around like eight to ten, or even or even a little bit later?
0: And I, I think if I redo it, I'll probably end up dropping him. But I had him. Oh, I know I had him. At, I had him at twelve to the Kings. Yep. Kings.
1: So yeah, I could see that.
0: That's a big gap. That's 10, that. ten. That's ten spaces between it, where I had him, where you. It had them. is
1: well, and you know, I, I'm very aware that um, it, it's it's a minority opinion. But you know, man, he's just he's just a guy that pops off the screen for me.
0: And that's what I like. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to different people and have them come on as a guest because I wanted to hear everyone's opinion, especially in this draft where it's going to be all over the place. Like I had a guest here at Obi top number one, I've had somebody that yeah. didn't have Obi topping as a lottery pick. And so this is the highest I've seen Halliburton. And so I just love hearing the, the different perspectives. And so that's why I said to me, the draft starts at, at number two, because if I get to go the way that you want it to go, then now it's, it's totally off track as far as like what the consensus would have expected to how how they would have expected it to go. So now all I'm, bets are off, right? Yeah, yeah. So now I'm really uh, because usually I, I have like the you know someone will email me the list. I have no clue what's going on. So I'll find out um, who your picks are when when you say them. So my facial expression might be a little uh, like this one. I was not expecting Halliburton at number two. So now I want to know who is number three because. it's 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 no way to predict where it's going now
1: yeah yeah so I guess on three I get back to a little bit more consensus a little bit more traditional uh I've got LaMelo Ball at three um LaMelo Ball has been a guy I've gone back and forth on a lot honestly um was not super high on him originally um I know you went out to Australia and actually saw him in person and it was fascinating to kind of hear your perspective from seeing him live Mm -hmm. um as the more and more I watch of him, the more I under I understand the flaws. I mean, obviously the shooting, you know, the shooting in Australia, you know, 25% on six attempts from three a game is just not what you want from a lead ball handler, playmaker. You've got to think teams are going to go under, pick and rolls on him and not really respect that jumper. Um, he's obviously light, but he's 19 years old. What I keep coming back to for LaMelo is – His ceiling is the archetype that every NBA team needs and wants. Um, If he can realize his full potential, he is like the heliocentric pick-and-roll distributor, playmaker, on-the-ball engine that, you know, look, I'm not comparing him to these guys. I'm just saying the archetype of what he could become is a a Luka Doncic, James Harden, uh, on-the-ball, mass-producing, like, Playmaker. So, do I think he's eventually going to reach that? If 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 I had to put like betting odds on it, probably not, not to that extent at least of those guys who are obviously all NBA players. But he's got that in him. His tool, his toolkit is is that. And um, you know, at 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 the end of the day, I think even even his lower ceiling, you know, he's he's a triple double type type point guard eventually for for a decent team. I think so. you know, I, and this would, this would put him at, in Charlotte, um, which maybe isn't the best fit in the world because they've already got Devontae Graham, but Devontae Graham's a really good shooter. Terry Rozier has actually turned into a pretty movable asset now after coming off a year where he shot, um, you know, career high statistically, and he's got a fairly manageable contract, only two years left. So the Hornets could get creative and move some pieces, and, and I think LaMelo could fit with that young core.
0: Yeah, I um, I I I could see that. Like, I I don't think it's the best fit, but I also can't see Jordan passing up Lamelo. If it were me, I would. But yeah, I I think um, yeah, I don't I don't see him getting passed up. Now, what are your thoughts on? Are you a Hornets fan?
1: I am. Yeah. So so Charlotte native, uh, Hornets fan. It's been. Mostly a painful existence, especially for the past, uh, you know, decade or two. Um, when I was younger, they were really good in the play- playoffs almost every year, but um, I- I'm very, um, I'm very optimistic with the with Mitch and the new front office and Brego and-, and some of the young pieces, but um, you know, obviously it's been a painful existence for, for a while.
0: <laughs> so I was there. The 2013 14 season. So I was actually there with Chris Douglas Roberts, and that was the year they made the playoffs. And it was pretty cool seeing how they brought him in in January. Then I went to all the home games, I went to a few road games, and that was the year I was just so dominant in the paint.
1: So, all NBA, all NBA yeah. that year.
0: So I always yeah. have like a, a love for Charlotte because that was just a great experience for me overall.
1: That team was fun, man. And Al Al Big Al got a little banged up in the playoffs. I mean, Miami was gonna beat us no matter what, but they really couldn't check him like straight up on the post and he was yeah. abusing them. Um yeah, that was a fun team. That was one of the one of the better teams we've had, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, because they made such a strong run at the end of the year and and yeah, that that was a very uh fun time for me. I, I really enjoyed it. So do you think that Charlotte would possibly try to trade up if like Melo's their guy and if they think that the Warriors are going to take him to package him, do you think or even if the Warriors know like they want Melo throwing these smoke screens, do you think that charlotte would be interested in trading up?
1: I do. I mean I've I've certainly heard that. Um the the problem I think is what asset can you move to 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 make that work? I mean I guess, you know, folks would throw out Miles Bridges as a piece to move. I understand that. I'm just in the place right now as a Hornets, you know, fan and, and covering the team. where I don't really want to move any of the young pieces just yet. I kind of want to see what they can become. But at the end of the day, like you said, if Mitch decides Lomelo's our guy and it takes moving a Miles Bridges or it takes moving a future pick, to slide up a slot or two to guarantee that you get them. I would trust his conviction. I it would just sting a little bit to give up any of those young guys. Um, and I, and really I'm talking about Devonte Graham, PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, like those three young pieces that have, have played all right for us.
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I can't see them giving up one of those guys. I would think they'd give up Monk.
1: Monk. Yeah. yeah Monk's he- an interest. Monk's, I mean, Monk's fascinating. He's, you know, he's entering a contract year. Um, we've got a couple other good guards, but he was playing so well before the suspension. Um, I I think that's an underrated, like fascinating storyline for the Hornets is what happens with
0: Malik Monk. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Chicago Bulls. Again, I don't know what's coming. Right. So, um, so yeah, the number three was more so conventional in a sense. So, I'm looking forward to seeing who you have the Bulls taking at number four. Yeah. So
1: for the Bulls at number four, um, I'm gonna go with uh Danny Avia. Um, obviously uh the Israeli wing, um, 19 years old. Um, you know, I, I really like um and you know, we'll get to we'll get to some of the other bigs obviously at the top of this draft. I, you know, I haven't named one yet, but I like a few of the big, I really do like a few of the bigs in this trap. I just, you know, marketed and Wendell Carter. It just doesn't seem, doesn't seem like it makes sense for Chicago to take a center. Um, right. um, so I think, I think Denny makes a lot of sense here. You know, they've got Kobe White and they've got Zach Levine, who Kobe White really started to come on late in the year last year. Uh, Denny gives them kind of that, that big wing. Of course they have Otto Porter Jr. as well, but, um benny's a guy that's grown on me too um obviously in the euro league you know he didn't play a ton you know like four points a game couple rebounds couple assists he is a guy that can fill a statue he can do a little bit of everything i do think he's improving quickly which is always something i try to pay attention to players that you know, seem to be ascending or, or, or things seem to be clicking at a fast rate. That's always a good indicator for me that, like, they're going to have some success. And in the Israeli league playoffs, he was terrific. He was the MVP. They won – you know, Maccabi won the championship. Um so I, I see a trajectory that I like from him, um, but there are still questions. You know, I mean, I think shooting still a question, even though the mechanics are, are solid in my opinion. The, the statistics haven't really bared that out yet. Um, he struggled. Um, Yam Mater, who's kind of like a second-round prospect, I guess, it really got under him, pressuring him full court. And he really struggled handling the ball against him, so he's going to have to improve well, if he he's going to become any type of – Say that again?
0: He is the Israeli Patrick Beverly. So <laughs> yeah,
1: That's perfect. That is yeah. perfect. I mean, that dude, as soon as the buzzer go off, he is in your shorts. I, yeah. I love him, actually. Um,
0: so, yeah, I think, but, yeah, so- I think there are going to be NBA players that would struggle because he's just an irritant. He's not going to give you – he's not going to allow you to bring the ball up and be comfortable, and he's just going to harass you. And so for those people who don't know who, who he is, it's not a shot at Denny. It's just, I think it's more so reflection of how good Madar is on the defensive end. Cause to me, he is like Patrick Beverly on defense, but has a little bit of sauce to his game on on the offensive (laughs) end of the floor. So I, I did a video on him a couple of weeks ago. I think he's the NBA prospect.
1: I agree, man. I, you know, echo all those same thoughts, just a complete irritant. And like you said, has a little bit more uh, uh, playmaking juice than, than I think maybe people realize. I mean, he gets to that pull-up jumper, and it's – I mean, he stops on a dime. It's tough to guard. And, he, you know, he's, he's a really nice player. So um, I like Denny to Chicago. I like the trajectory he's on. Uh, there's still certainly questions uh, about him, but, you know, he's got a great frame. He's got solid mechanics, even though he's got to improve as a shooter. And I just think he can do enough um, to, to to stick in the league, have success. And, you know, what his ultimate ceiling is, that's still up for debate, in my opinion. But um, but I do like him, and he's growing up.
0: Yeah, I like him a lot. I've, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go number two also. I mean, I've seen those, those rumors. I think he would fit in well with Golden State um, just because of – the way they play. I think he's a really good cutter. I think he's yeah. a very underrated cutter off the ball. Then he's another guy that can get a rebound, push it, and they can get into their offense. And then if you have him with war, with the Warriors, they could have four guys that can get the rebound and push. That's kind of make it tough for your defense to get set. Um, but Chicago, I think, would be a good fit. I think they need – I don't want to say he doesn't need the – well – Chicago would be a good fit if they utilize his skills. If they put him in a situation where the ball isn't moving between white and Levine and he's in the corner, then I don't think you, you're getting the best out of him. But if you allow him to run some pick and rolls as a secondary or, or just, if they just, you gotta be creative with, based off of, you know, like Levine and white and, and with their roster. But if there's, creativity as a coach to maximize his skills and I think would be a good fit but like I said I'm just worried in a situation where you know Levine is shooting a bunch of contested pull-up twos and the ball's not moving or he's passing late and then he just stands in the corner then I think it's going to be tough for him to like really have a good rookie year yep
1: completely agree with that I think your point about his uh He's, he's got better feel, I think. Sometimes when he gets credit card, to your point, off-ball cutting and even, like, some touch passes here and there in the lane and in transition, he splashes some of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, if, he's, if you're just depending on him to stand in the corner and space the floor, that's not going to look great.
0: Right. All right, number five, Cleveland Cavaliers, so I actually had Denny gone. So I'm guessing with the two bigs left on the board, are you going to have one of the bigs in Cleveland?
1: So, you know, this is a, this is a little bit of a weird one because yeah, I mean, I think one of the bigs here may, makes a lot of sense. Uh the problem is you've got you've got Andre Drummond, um but you know, he he you know, he's going to opt in, but he may not be there for the long term of course. And then Tristan Thompson's a free agent. So, I am going to go with Onyeka Congo here. Um although, you know, Obviously, like I just said, Andre Drummond's there. Okongu's already coming out of a situation in Southern Cal where he had to play beside another seven footer and didn't really get to probably flash all of the full uh, skill set that he has. Um, you know, is a really good free throw shooter, 72% on a pretty high volume on the year. Um, obviously, he was a premier rim protector, you know, second in block percentage in the Pac 12. Um, he's got Probably a little more switchability, I think. Now, you know, he's not going to be switching out on premier point guards and keeping him in front of them or anything like that right away. Um, But he can move. He can slide. He's athletic. I mean, he's really athletic. He's strong. Um, He can be their big of the future, you know, after Andre Drummond's gone with some of these young guards they have, like Windler and Garland and Sexton. Um, So I like a Kongwu there, although it may not be – on paper, the best fit. I think leading into the future of their franchise, it makes a lot of sense. Um, One one last thing I'll say about him is, like, I hear a lot of people comparing him to Bam, and I just don't think that's fair. Like, I get it from a a frame standpoint and from a rim protection standpoint. There's some similarities, but Bam is, like, one of the most unique, big passers we've seen in the last decade. And it's not that I don't think of is going to be really good. I just... I don't think it's fair to compare him to Bam and expect that. But I think you can expect production from him right away.
0: I don't even think it's fair to compare the Miami Bam to the Bam we saw at Kentucky because I didn't see these skills either. So that's, um, like I said, one reason I get the comparisons, like, you know, just from the eye test. But I I just spent a couple days, um, a couple days ago, I went looking at my notes from the 2017 draft. And how I compared Bam or what my notes on Bam are very similar to my notes on Okongu in this year's draft. But I just didn't get a chance to see Bam showcase the skills that he's been able to show in Miami. So that's what makes the draft so intriguing. Like, you know, the question is, did he have that before or did Miami get that out of him? Because I don't know. I would love to find out. And maybe I need to go and watch some of his high school tape. Because, I mean, there are times in high school you see a big show some guard skills from time to time, but they're playing against a lot lesser competition and they're so dominant and so much better than everybody else that it doesn't really make that much of a difference. But, yeah, that's one of the things that I'm going to do once I get some time is to go back and see if I can dig up some old BAM film. From high school and au to see if this was there we just didn't see it at yeah. kentucky or if it's something that miami picked up and 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 just gave him the the freedom to you know to be a playmaker instead of a rim roller because all i saw him as was the energy guy that was a rim roller that looked to finish everything around the rim strong and now he's like a totally. point center
1: <laughs> right you're super unique and. You know, and you and you, we have seen a lot of these. Uh, you know, n- not all of them, but generally, some of these Kentucky guys have flashed more, um, more full, you know, full profiles than they showed at Kentucky. Maybe that's just because they're playing with so much other talent uh, at the college level. But yeah, no, it's really, it's really fascinating. Um, so, and, and I think Okongo will do that to a degree from like a mid-range jumper and touch standpoint and um you know and a defensive standpoint too. I mean he he definitely has has defensive tools that should translate almost immediately even though we know most rookies are bad on defense. I think he might be the exception um to that rule.
0: Yeah. And the fit with Cleveland I think short term it doesn't make any sense especially right. you know with Drummond going to be there. Then I've even read that Tristan wants to come back. I can't see him coming back. Uh, but yeah, it would be cool to see Bam and not Bam, but uh Okongu in space because we didn't get a chance to see that at USC. So he's on the floor with Kevin Love, depending on if Kevin Love is gonna be there the whole year. I think it will be the first oh. time that we really get a chance to see him in space. I think he'll be even more of an efficient as a scorer because that lane at USC was congested.
1: Oh yeah, they were tough to watch from an offensive standpoint.
0: Yep. All right. Number six.
1: All right. Number six. Um, so this one may, may come as a little bit of surprise. Um, this is a player, again, another player that I'm super high on um, that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have respect for him as a prospect, but, but I'm a bit higher on him, and that's Patrick Williams from Florida State. Um, Patrick Williams, to me, I see him more as a wing, although, obviously, in today's NBA, I could, of course, see him playing bit a, a, a four as well. Um, I think he has a little bit more um, ball skills than he flashed State. So obviously, we all know, you know, Little Hamilton plays, like, 13 guys. Nobody really plays more than 28 minutes. I mean, Trent Forrest was kind of a rare exception to play, like, 33 minutes a game for them. Um, So, you know, his raw stats are not going to wow anyone, you know, nine points, four rebounds. but And it's a small sample size, but if you look at his pick and roll numbers as an initiator, they're actually a lot more encouraging than you might think. Um, He's a really good free throw shooter, which is a solid indicator for his jump shot moving forward, 83%. 62 for 74 on the year. I mean, he was almost automatic from the free throw line. Mm -hmm. Um, He's super young. He's He's like the fifth youngest prospect in this draft, I believe.
0: I didn't even um, know it was five. I, I know, like, only I know Polkiszewski for sure is younger than him. I can't think of the other four.
1: Yeah, no, I I want to say it was fifth, but it could be even, it could be even, you know, maybe he's two or three. But, yeah, mm-hmm. Poku is obviously the youngest of of the bunch. Um. So, look, this is not a guy. I don't think Patrick Williams is going to be the rookie of the year. He may not even be on an all-rookie team. To me, Patrick Williams is a guy that you look back after, you know, three years or even after the first contract, and he's going to end up being one of the stars of this draft class, in my opinion. I know not not everyone agrees with that. and mm-hmm. completely understand that. But, you know, like I said, more on the ball skills than he flashes. The jumper is going to get a lot better, and there are some indicators points that points to that being the case. And defensively, he makes mistakes because he's young but he's electric. I mean, he, you know, he races shots at the rim. He averages steel and a block per game. Steel, steel and block percentages are really impressive as well. So this is just one of those guys that I'm super high on. And I think, although we might not see it immediately, it's an investment for the future. And you may have a, you know, sw- one of those switchy playmaking athletic archetype wings that we all, every team in the NBA needs right
0: Right. If this were like uh TNT or ESPN and there's a ticker at the bottom of the screen, it would say James Wiseman, best player available. <laughs> He's sliding.
1: Wiseman's <laughs> well, sliding, man. He was <laughs> sliding. And he you know, he could be gone in the first two or three picks. Very possible.
0: Yeah. So that's why this
1: right. draft is so crazy.
0: Ex- exactly. Um yeah, I mean I think even with with LaMelo, I've even seen some saying that if he if Charlotte or The Warriors pass him up, then they could see him sliding as low, you know, possibly to like Detroit or the Knicks because they don't know if Cleveland, Chicago, or Atlanta would take him. So it's like he either goes top three or he could slide down to seven. All right. So who do you have the Detroit Pistons taking?
1: So... The Detroit Pistons, again, these these bigs are going to continue to slide a little bit for me. Um, the Pistons need playmaking. Um, the Pistons the Pistons need, um, you know, on-ball playmaking, frankly. So um, I'm going to go with Killian Hayes here. Um, I, to be honest, I actually prefer Kira Lewis to Killian Hayes, but I don't think Kira Lewis – makes sense for Detroit, just because I don't know if you want to completely hand over the keys to an offense to him right away. I think Killian is a little bit more, even though he's he's younger, and not a ton younger, because Kira's pretty young too, but he's just more of a mature on the ball um, uh, organizer of offense right now. Um, and I think probably that's because he's been playing professionally you know, since he was uh, younger and has probably had to grow up quicker. Um, so, he's a two-way guy. I think he will – I think he'll be all right defensively. Um, obviously, he doesn't – the one thing with Killian for me is he doesn't show a ton of burst. Although he's, he's, he's smart and he's crafty, he knows how to use his angles. He's just not a blow-by-you type of point guard. So, I worry about that a little bit. He's a terrific passer. And I also worry a little bit about, like, vertical explosiveness around the rim to finish. Um, although you you think maybe he can counter that with a really good, you know, developing a really good floater or runner and things of that nature, um, and he's going to do a great job finding guys. So, you know, I would have loved Obi here, but th- that seems redundant with Blake Griffin. Um, and you know, obviously, we'll see what happens with Christian Wood, but um, Detroit's got to have some on the ball talent, and Killian definitely provides that.
0: Yeah, they're kind of opposites. I think that Killian's strength is his playmaking and his passing and one of the weakness that stands out on film is like you said he may lack burst or you know just elite quickness to be able to get into the paint while Lewis that's his strength like he's going to be able to get into the paint he has great burst and speed and then like you said as far as like organizing the team running the offense that's probably one of the biggest areas for him to improve other than you know, arguably putting on some weight. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Detroit, um, I mean, I have them taking Killian at number seven also. So yeah, I think that point guard is a definite need, especially if you believe all the rumors that Derek Rose is going to be moved and which I think they should. Right. I think, I don't think he's right. in their timeline. But I've also heard that teams are probably willing to take a risk on Blake Griffin also. Just because okay. he's... Had plenty of time to get better. <laughs> like seems like about a year and a half. His last full season, he was All NBA. It almost is. Yeah, his last season, he was All NBA, and then there may be only two years left on his deal. So I wouldn't be. It wouldn't sort of shock me or surprise me to see a team that feels like they're close to take a flyer on him, if they can absorb that contract. That's that's the biggest obstacle there.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, if somehow Blake can be even like, what, you know, 85%, 90% of what he was two years ago, um, Mm -hmm. he can help. He can really help a contender. There's no doubt about that. It's just, of course, you're taking the risk on because, you know, he may only play 30 games.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which that may be half the season if they want to stay on track for 21, 22. So that's a whole different subject. (laughs) So, yeah, like like I said, if this were the draft, they'd keep panning over to the green room and they'd show Obi Toppin and James Wiseman sitting there.
1: <laughs> they're like head down.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, so they're waiting to hear their name called. So at number eight, who is your choice for the New York Knicks?
1: All right, so we are finally going to get one of these guys off the board. I'm going to go with Obi Toppin at number eight to the New York Knicks. Um, obviously... I think Knicks fans would say, good Lord, we need a point guard desperately. And that's certainly true. Um, but again, I don't know as much as I love Kira Lewis and I do love Kyrie Lewis. I don't know if you just want to hand him the ball and say, here's a bad offense, organize it and make us better. I don't know if you're going to get S. Kira Lewis Jr. that that he can be in that situation. So. I say, you know, let's take Obi Toppin. Obviously, everyone knows about his defensive concerns. But he pairs nicely with Mitchell Robinson, in my opinion, because obviously Obi can stretch the floor. He's got just about uh, very unique ball skills for, you know, whatever, 6'10", 6'11", forward that he is. Obviously, he's super athletic from a vertical explosion standpoint. Um, You know, I – And again, I think there's depth at point guard in this draft. So, although New York should take a point guard, maybe if Killian or Halliburton or one of those guys is still there, I don't think they have to necessarily reach for one in the top ten. I like a lot of these late first-round point guards and even some of the early second-round point guards I think can be contributors on an NBA team. So – why not, take a, now why not take a sure thing, at least from an offensive standpoint, a guy that you know is going to produce right away, start right away. And, yeah, they have a little bit of log jam at the forward, but a couple of those guys, I believe, are expiring contracts or could be out of the door in a year. So I don't think that's a huge concern.
0: I don't either. I had the Knicks taking him on my last mock, and Knicks fans we were – they, they didn't like it. <laughs> they were they on didn't like neck. that. That's, oh, well, that's I mean, it doesn't matter who – it is. There's, they have such fair. a large fan base that there's going to be a large group of people that totally disagree unless it was like Zion at number one or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, they did not like it. They told me I was stupid. <laughs> one guy sent a, a, a message saying, you don't know anything about Knicks basketball. And I was like, James Dolan another either <laughs> but,
1: Yeah. It does at this point. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's not fair to compare what happened in the past because it's a whole new front office. And then, sure. uh, but yeah, that you know they were like the Knicks already have too many power forwards. Why we draft another power forward? And it feels like Knicks fans think that uh, Mitchell Robinson is the next coming of Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell. They're very Oops. very high on him. But yeah, I thought Hopping was ready. And in my opinion, I feel like Tibbs is going to want to win now. He's not going yep. to really be too patient on taking you know, someone that's not going to be able to come in and contribute or, you know, that's two years away. I think the Knicks are probably going to try to make the playoffs next year. Yep. They're, in my opinion, they're going to get one of their CAA guys. The Chris Paul rumors, I think, are I think, are pretty real. And I think they can easily yep. make it happen with some of the deals that they have that expire and that don't have a lot of guaranteed money on it. And to me, that, like, makes the most sense. And to me, I just feel like that's, Realistic, you get a ready-made rookie who is ready to come in and contribute. In my opinion, he's the most NBA-ready prospect in this draft on the offensive end totally of the floor. Agree. And to me, it just kind of fits their timeline of a Tibbs-type team, Tibbs-type timeline. So, we had a Knicks fan stand like that.
1: I know. I know. We can't can't keep them happy, so might as well just share the opinion either way, right?
0: <laughs> yep. So your last your last two picks are similar to mine on my last mock so I'm yeah see if you can make it three in a row so who do you have the wizards taking at number 9
1: all right so let let me go ahead and take my guy let's get Kira Lewis Jr off the board to Washington um look you know we don't know what John Wall is going to look like as as a Carolina guy I'm pulling for John Wall as much as anyone but obviously it's just a huge question mark I think this is one of those places where kind of like we talked about again with like, if Halliburton ended up up here, that would probably make sense too. Beal is, Beal has matured into such a terrific on the ball playmaker. He's, you know, if you haven't watched the NBA in a couple of years, Bradley Beal is not just a shooter anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Beal can really drive your offense. Kira Lewis can, can, can develop and mature, uh, beside a superstar. Um, I would be interested on your take on this. I think Kira Lewis Jr.'s speed might be the most unique individual skill in the draft.
0: Maybe Melo's passing.
1: Yep. Melo's passing. Or, or Neesmith's just pure shooting, maybe.
0: Yeah. Off the catch and, and, and all oh, that. That's right. that's I never thought of it like that. Uh, and that could be a series i do. Like, what is the most unique skill set in the draft or whatever? But, yeah, yeah. I, I think – His speed is definitely high up there. Um, Yeah, I I never thought of it like that. But, yeah, I'd like him in Washington. I definitely feel like Washington needs to select a point guard. If not a point guard, I mean, I guess they need help everywhere. You know, you could say point guard. You could say they need a three. Um, You know, like Vassell, I could see that being a good fit. If one of Wiseman or Kongu Falls, I could see that being a good fit. Because I had mentioned in one of my last videos who is the last um the last um vertical lob threat that John Wall has played with? Ooh, I, was like, was I mean
1: Jevon? what like, like McGee? How that was the
0: that? last one I could think <laughs> of. So um, I could see them going either way, one, three, or or five, but I definitely feel like they need to find some insurance for John Wall. Because he looks good on these, you know, videos that he's been putting out, right. but everybody <laughs> looks good in the offseason.
1: Of course. Yeah. yeah, it's – um, I think it would be a good fit. And and if John Wall's good, that's even better. Kira can, can kind of slowly develop and, and add second unit punch. If they need him right away, I think he can step in it and be productive. Um, So – and you're right. I mean, we'll see what happens with Bertans. Like, I, I don't – it'll be probably tough for them to re-sign him. But um, they, they do need – I guess what I was saying is, to your point, they, they need help just about everywhere.
0: Yeah, defense. And, yeah, if you're a rookie guard – Washington to me is the best situation for you other than maybe if you go to Golden State but you're in a situation where you can learn from two very high caliber all-star guards you don't have the pressure of coming in and you know having to play 30 minutes a game and you just have the luxury of being able to learn and learn from some guys that are all-stars that you're hoping to at least duplicate their careers like if you have a John wall type career you had a successful career if you have a Bradley bill type Absolutely. career so yeah and so yeah and they're not old you know like so you, you have a chance to like really learn from them it's not like wall is like 35 and and he's you know kind of on his way out so you get a chance to compete with him in practice and just kind of learn the game and and then possibly he may want out and he may really want you to do well and succeed because that helps him. Get out of town. So, I think yep. it'll be a good situation. All right. So as the camera pans to James Wiseman in the green room, Man. still. All right. Who do you have? <laughs> who do you have? The Phoenix Suns selecting at number ten.
1: All right. So um and this one may be a slight surprise um for the Suns at number ten. I'm going to go with Sadiq pay from from Villanova. Um, this is a guy that I'm I'm probably a little bit higher on the in the consensus. Um, he is not a on-ball playmaker, obviously. You know, Bay, is, Bay does not have a ton of burst or juice um, in terms of getting by uh, getting by defenders and making plays uh, for his teammate, although he is just a good, in general, like, offensive motion passer. He moves the ball well. He makes the extra pass. He hits cutters. He cuts well himself, like a lot of those Villanova guys do. Um... So, but, you know, Phoenix has has a lot of on-ball playmaking with Booker and, and Rubio. Um, they don't really need a big, although Sarich may not come back. I just don't think you pair Wiseman with Aiton, uh, you know, unless you're looking to eventually move one of those guys, which I don't think you would want to this early. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So, you know, they have Cameron Johnson. Um, Cameron Pl- Payne played well for them in the bubble, so maybe he solidifies as their backup point guard. Um, I think they just want to keep adding complementary pieces for their young stars. I mean, they they need to continue to surround Booker with shooting. And, like, I don't know if people realize, like, Sadiq Page 44% from three this year. I mean, he yeah. – is an elite top end shooter. He's six, eight. So, you know, he's not bothered by defenses contesting him and he's a better defender in my opinion. And the consensus realizes like, he's not vert. He's not um, laterally. He's not super impressive, but he's so intelligent. He uses his size and, um, and he stays vertical to contest, um, you know, at the rim defensively. Like, Jay Wright had him guard Miles Powell, Devin Dotson, Marcus Howard. You know, he took all of those assignments um, for Villanova. So I like the fit here just because they need to continue to add, like I said, complimentary pieces around their young stars that can make Johnson defend.
0: I think his most underrated skill set is his passing. Totally. And he was playing a lot of point forward at Villanova. I'm a Blazers fan. Yes. I've been mentioning it on every single mock draft. I want him to fall to number 16. I want him in Portland. He fills so many needs that the Blazers (laughs) have. So every time, like, I see him going higher, I just kind of cringe. And even, like, for me, (laughs) when I make, like, my mock drafts, I have to take out the unbiased Portland fan in me because I want him to slide. And I'm hoping that, you know, if everybody else has him going in the teens, then maybe – is, you know, the buzz will stay low so he can fall to Portland because if he's not there at 16 for Portland, I don't know who my backup is that can come in right away and contribute as a possible starter. After that, it's going to be tough to find a starter because I think if he goes to Portland, he's there starting for day one over Melo, right? over John or Zach Collins, whoever. And so I don't know if he's not available. I don't know if players are going to be able to find that. so. But, yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think it gives Phoenix another floor spacer. It improves their defense. It gives them a third ball handler. So if you have a situation where you have him on the floor with Rubio and Booker, you have three guys that can make a play for others. I think that if you're in a situation where a team is switching and he gets matched up against a small, he can play in the post, and then he's such a good passer that if the double comes out of the post, Yeah, he's like a very good fit for, to me, almost any team. I feel like he will make any team better. He'll improve their offense and their defense. So that's interesting to see him in Phoenix because I think he would definitely, um, you know, make things easier for Aiton and Booker and just overall in general, just from a floor spacing standpoint to from a defender to another guy that can pass the ball.
1: If you had to choose, do you prefer him to, to Vassell or Vassell? Sorry. uh,
0: For Phoenix?
1: Or just in general, just as a prospect.
0: Man, if you would have asked me this a week ago, it would have been tough. But after seeing that video, that jump shot. <laughs> I, I
1: know, I know, I know. Everyone's like, what is going on?
0: <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's a good question. I think. Upside wise, Vassell has a higher upside. I think there's still so many more levels to his game that he can reach. Yeah. I've been saying that I think that his basement is Trevor Ariza. hmm. Just a, a, you know, athletic guy that can, a young Ariza was good in transition. He knocked down open shots, yep. played good defense. Um, who? Yeah, I think, like I said, upside, I think Vassell has a higher upside right away, contributing, come in, make your team better, I'm going with Sadiq Bay.
1: Yep. Makes sense. Makes a ton of sense.
0: All right. Number... Oh, yeah. 11 now. San Antonio Spurs. It's weird to see San Antonio picking number 11. So, so weird. Have?
1: Um, let's get James Wiseman out of the green room, man. Let's get James Wiseman to, to, down to Texas and San Antonio and Look, I mean, and part of this is me assuming that Pirtle is is going to get signed elsewhere, and there's kind of a, a looming hole for the Spurs um, from a rim protection and a and a rim rolling standpoint. I think, you know, I think Wiseman as a, as a young player pairs pretty well with Lamarcus Aldridge for however long however long he's going to be still in San Antonio. And they just kind of have this plethora of young guards and wings. You know, you start rattling off Murray and Derek White and uh, Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson. You know, they've they've kind of got a stable of young guards and wings. So I think they need a young, and of course Rudy Gay's still there. So I think they need a and DeRozan. I mean, good lord, you know. So I think they need a young big, and who better to develop a raw, incredibly talented uh, center, Uh, you know, obviously he was the number one high school player um, before this college season. And, you know, I think, I would imagine Spurs fans would be pretty pumped for him to slide all the way, all the way down here and, and, and for them to be able to nab him and, and uh, you know, where better for him to improve and develop.
0: Right. I I was just thinking like, imagine if a year ago today, someone said the Spurs are going to draft James Wiseman. First thing you said, (laughs) something went incredibly wrong somewhere. Right, right. (laughs) um, And it's kind of like a combination of both. But, yeah, I think that –
1: I was going to say on both sides, like why are the Spurs drafting that early or why did Wiseman drop?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it was kind of like they met each other in the middle. But, yeah, I think that uh, San Antonio probably doesn't even have him on their draft board in the sense. They probably would be shocked to see him there. But if he's there, you just have to scrap everything that you, you have on your board because I feel like taking another guard to be redundant, they have too many. And then I mean they still have this I mean like their first round pick last year. People forget about the kid that they drafted last year. Um what's his name? Samanic. Samanic the the kid He's been, oh yeah Luca
1: Samanich right yeah
0: Samanich yeah. yeah so they still have him Johnson spent most of the year in the G League and yep. so those two guys I expect them to play a bigger role. I um, I did an interview with somebody that covers the Spurs basketball and they were saying that with they don't expect Bellinelli Bellinelli or Forbes to be back so that should open up you yep. know a lot of minutes for for one of their guards to play next year but yeah if James Wiseman is available you have to you have to take them. Take him and I mean I don't know how well he would complement Aldridge and how much longer Aldridge has, even though I just looked a couple of days ago, I didn't realize he's 35 and he's, wow. he still seems like he has quite a few years left. He doesn't seem like he's, yeah. I mean, he's slowing down a little bit, but he doesn't seem like he's on a major decline. Like, Well, I his
1: game he, is not going to age like other <laughs> people's, right? Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. The turnaround will be there t- at least 70. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. He could probably good. average like 12 and five at 44.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that eventually he's going to somehow end up on one of these championship contender teams and ends up being a piece.
1: I could see that. I could totally see that.
0: All right. Number 12, you got a tough job. Sacramento Kings. Whoever you select is going to be redundant to what they already have.
1: I was going to say, I mean, you know, th- there's really not uh, a, a point guard that I would want to reach for here. You know, I'm not, I'm not super down on Cole Anthony, but I'm not quite ready to take him at this point yet. Um, like you said, you take a big here and there's some redundancy there. You take a wing here and there's some redundancy there. So I think I'm just going to go safe pick here and go Devin Vassell. Um, obviously, sophomore out of Florida State. 41 percent three-point shooter we already talked about him a little bit he's one of the best team defenders in the draft doesn't have a ton of on-ball creation but he's you know this term gets used way too much but it actually does apply to himself he's a walk-in walk-in three and d kind of guy um and you know it's a little bit of insurance if uh if Bogdan doesn't resign I mean obviously they still have Barnes, but you're gonna need um, you're going to need continued defense and continued shooting around Deer and Fox. And I think the Kings want to win now. Um, and Vassell, um, although the conversation we just had earlier, I slightly prefer Bay. I think Vassell helped right away.
0: Yeah, it's just a, a weird situation to go to because they're a team that's not a playoff team. But right, you don't know if you can come in and, and get – 25 minutes a game on this team because yeah. if they bring Bogdan back and then Hill stays, and then yeah. I think that Harrison Barnes is a four. Right. But they're going to play him at the three because they probably don't want to play Bagley at the five. And Then it's, you know, unless there's a center available, like if right. Wiseman slides, I think that makes sense. Or if a Congo is available, that makes sense. But then I don't know if Bagley compliments either one of those guys or those guys compliment Bagley. So I think Bagley probably needs to be a five. Barnes needs to be a four. And if you go with that lineup, then Vassell at the three makes sense.
1: Right. I think that's what they should do. Will they do that? Very, we very don't hard know. To
0: say. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. All right. Another situation, number 13, they just got a new coat in Stan Van Gundy. So I'm curious to see if this kind of changes your your thought process since we kind of know a little bit about the, the offense that Stan Van Gundy is probably likely going to run. Um, so who do you have the the Pelicans selecting at number 13?
1: Yeah. So um, at 13 for the Pelicans, they're another roster that doesn't really have necessarily any glaring holes, but, um, Certainly need to add pieces and um, the, their off season probably going to be pretty interesting. I mean, obviously Drew Holiday is, is in just about every rumor you hear in the NBA. You know, I don't, I don't know what's real and what's not, but he's certainly a very attractive piece for contenders. Um, so it, it, with all that being said, I'm going to go with a guy who, again, I'm probably a little bit higher on than most. Um, and that's Jalen Smith out of Maryland um so Jalen Smith you know if you're not familiar with him he's sophomore from Maryland he's kind of improved rapidly over his two years in college park he is he offers kind of a unique blend of shooting and rim protection which mm-hmm. is obviously uh kind of a um rare trait uh yeah a trait that just kind of sticks out you know um you know he shot 36 percent from three as a 6'11 4 5 whatever you want to call him I mean there are times when Maryland runs like pin pin
0: downs for him
1: almost like he's a like he's a shooting guard (laughs) and he's fluid man I mean look he's got to add weight he's he's a rail um he can certainly get bullied um with certain fours and fives that he may have to guard at the NBA and he's still kind of growing into his body and coordination a little bit it can look awkward at times but you know, you watch him go against a guy like Xavier Tillman, and he just gives Tillman fits because you know he can show him the ball, he can put it on the floor, he's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of shake down in the post and he can finish. Um just an efficient an efficient uh four that can really shoot the ball and can rim protect. I mean, that is something I think that pairs nicely with Zion. I think that's something that pairs nicely with 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 Ingram and Holiday and Lonzo. Um, so I just think he's a nice piece to add to that core, even though I can totally understand the Pelicans going a number of different ways.
0: I know one thing's for sure. On my next mock, he is going to the Pelicans at 13. That is the only lock yeah. that I have right now, because to me, it makes the most sense. Yeah. He's a reach at that high, but I think that, it just It's a perfect marriage because I don't know if if um, Zion and Jackson Hayes complement each other well. Uh, Hayes is just going to get in Zion's space. Zion is tough to guard, almost unguardable one-on-one, especially with space. So I think the best way to complement him is you need a, a guy that can knock down open shots. And how many guys are there in the world that can block shots and knock down open jumpers. To me, that is the perfect fit next to Zion. I think any other draft pick that they take is redundant for the most part. Yeah. It's just it's just yeah. a no-brainer for me. And then bringing in Van Gundy, it really makes sense because I could see him running like the same four-out offense that he ran with Orlando. I mean, Jalen Smith is not going to be Rashard Lewis or Hayden Turkoglu, but I think that right. – it it just it just makes sense to me, and so and I thought about Serge Baca and free agency. I was just trying to think of yeah. a, a yeah. piece that would fit, because again, like I said, I don't know if Jackson Hayes and Zion together if that makes the most sense on offense. Because if you have even if Zion becomes a reliable outside shooter, that's still not his his strength, you know. No, nope. so not at um, all. And they would probably be like a poor man's Blake and DeAndre. And uh, I like that, yeah. 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 It just came to my mind. And they weren't – I felt like together in that era, they, they probably should have been better than they were. But I don't think Blake was – even though Blake's numbers were, were there, I felt yeah. like in a sense how much better would Blake have been if he had space? Or oh, DeAndre had more space, um, so yeah, I think um, yeah, Jalen Smith to me that's the perfect fit, and I, that's like my one lock that I have for sure in my next mock.
1: I like that. We've uh, after I went a little off the walls earlier, but we've had we've had some similarities uh, as we've gotten later down in the draft, and I don't see Jalen Smith in the lottery a ton. And, and like you said, maybe it's a little bit of a reach, but I I think he's a lottery talent. I really do.
0: Yeah, I think somebody I just saw today. I don't know if it was Wasserman's board. Somebody had him going there and I was like, dang. So I've been thinking about this. I just don't have any proof that I thought about this right. two weeks ago. So I should have <laughs> updated it then. All right. Last but not least, it's the 14th pick. It's the Boston Celtics. Another weird situation for a lottery pick. In what direction do you think the Boston Celtics should go in? Yeah,
1: this is this is definitely a strange one. Um obviously Boston, you know. Um, coming off an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. Um, you know, obviously, I think people would look and say, oh, you know, Boston needs another, they need a, a more talented center. And I, I think that's true. But honestly, I'm not sure at this point in the draft with with the Wiseman, O'Connell, and Toppin off the board, I'm not sure that you're going to find a center that's better than Tice or honestly even better than Robert Williams at this point. So although that's a need, I think you can, I think you can throw another art art board for a young center later in this, in this draft for the Celtics, because they do have quite a few picks. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm going to go with Aaron Neesmith and just continue to add shooting. Um, You know, we talked about unique skills earlier and, you know, shooting 52% from three, on, on the sophomore year is and it's staggering, really, to shoot above 50% from three. On, on a lot of volume, by the way. I mean, he's 60 for 115. He made the most threes on his team, and he only played 14 games this year. So that just kind of shows you the volume that he gets up and, and, the, and the rate in which he hits. Now, I've got concerns for him. You know, he's not much of a playmaker at all just from the eye test like the way he moves doesn't exactly vibe with me I think there's a little bit of I don't know if he needs to get more flexible or what it is but he just he's not a he's not a majestic athletic mover that's for sure um he's a little box he's a little boxy if that makes sense um but for Boston they may lose Hayward they may not um and anytime you can add shooting, I think around Tatum and Brown and Kemba, it makes sense. Um, so um, I'm going to go with Neesmith.
0: And I feel when you mentioned like his stats and the three-point shooting and the value, I feel like you left off a very important factor in his shooting that makes it even more impressive. They were on the move. <laughs> like, right. it totally. wasn't. Totally. It's standing in the corner. And he had like this dominant big that was drawing double teams and he got open looks. No, they were action plays just crazy skill set and so yeah that that makes to me the 50 percent from three is ridiculous even if they were like uncontested but the fact that I mean it was just crisscrossing and pin downs and I know I did a video on him probably around this time last year before the season and I felt like I remember one of the graphics I had on there was his three-point percentage is lower than it should be because of the difficulty in his shot attempts. Mm. And then, even though it's a small sample size this year, he was making those shots, those on the move. And there's only, in my opinion, there's not 10 guys in the world that can start off under the net, full sprint, Mm. and set their feet, catch, shoot, and let it fly with that type of accuracy. And I remember... And it was actually CDR. So me and my brother trained him for a summer and we worked on, we just did a lot of three point shooting. And so I was not a trainer at all. It was like, I had trained high school kids and he gave me a shot to be his trainer the year before he he signed with Charlotte. So, you know, I'm I'm on YouTube and I'm trying to do these drills. And so I had him do a drill where he was starting off under the net and he was supposed to, you know, do a pin down. And he looks, he says, no. He says, Kyle Korver. Ray Allen, <laughs> Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, J.J. Reddick. Those are the only guys in the world that can run full sprint, set their feet, catch, shoot, and make it at a high rate. He's like, this is not my game. <laughs> and, so, Man. and then it just kind of made me think about it, like how hard it was. And then to be able yes. to do it going both ways. So I'm left-handed. So it would be tough for me if I were under the net sprinting, then I got to catch, square up. And Smith can do it both ways, which is no, you, incredible.
1: The context you added there is super important. I mean, like you said, it's no secret to the opposing teams this guy's one of the best shooters in the country. He did have some talent on that Vandy team, but it's not like they couldn't really key. You know, opposing defenses could key on him. So yeah. you're absolutely right, man. I mean, the, the context around – the difficulty of the shots you took paired with the percentage you shot is what makes it so mind boggling,
0: really. Yep. I agree. Well, man, I thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I'd like to have you come on and do the second half of your, your first round if you're interested and then we can set that up. But again, I'm talking to Lee Branscombe and Twitter name is Witch Carolina. And you mentioned that you have a podcast so you can plug your podcast in.
1: I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, You are easily one of the most um, intelligent draft guys out there. And the content you put out is second to none. So yeah, I'm at Witch Carolina on Twitter. And um, the the most recent episode is always linked uh, pinned on my, on my profile. And of course you can find our podcast anywhere that anywhere that you stream.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, I have been following you, I guess, the last couple of weeks, but I didn't know that you you had a podcast, but I wanted to ask you, which Carolina, like what, because every name kind of like has a meaning behind it. And so I was trying to figure it out. I was like, you know, was he born in South, but he lives in North Carolina or vice versa? Or or did you come from a family where your mom is a Carolina man and your dad is a, you know, so it all makes sense to me now, so. Again, thanks a lot for coming on. Definitely, I'm looking forward to part two. Uh, you, you started off with a shocker. With, well, I guess you can say start off, but early. You had a shocker with Halliburton, yep. number two. And uh, I think I may try to do something funny on the graphic with, uh, with James Wiseman over sitting in the imaginary green room or something like that. So I'm going to play around with this and have a little fun. So, again, thanks a lot for coming on. It's Raphael, Lee Branscomb, NBA Draft Junkies, and we are out.